Ephesians chapter 5. We are working our way through verses 25 to 33. The reading of the Holy Word of God. Verse 25. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself up for her so that he might sanctify her having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word that he might present to himself the church in all of glory, having no spot or wrinkle or anything that she would be holy and blameless. So husbands ought also to love their own wives as their own bodies. He who loves his own wife loves himself for no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it, just as Christ also does the church, because we are members of his body. For this reason, a man shall leave his father and mother and shall be joined to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. This mystery is great, but I'm speaking with reference to Christ and his church. Nevertheless, Each individual among you also is to love his own wife even as himself. And the wife must see to it that she respects her husband. Father, please teach us this morning. Uh, Lord, let us set aside the preconceived notions. Let us set aside things of this world. Let us drink deep of your holy, holy word. And Father, may we grow in the grace that is Christ Jesus so that we will be that beacon of light that stands in the darkness of this day. We love you, Lord. We praise you. In Christ's precious name, amen. We are dealing with the priorities of a husband. We have already dealt with the priorities of the wife, 22 to 24, And now we're dealing with the husband's responsibility. And I broke this into two main points. One is the manner of love. What does this love look like? And the motive for loving your wife. And we'll deal with that. But, you know, I've had conversations and people, and I mean, even when I was reading this and studying it, man, how do you do this? I have to go back to see the power of God that is in chapters 1 to 3 and how that doctrine of what God has done with every Christian positionally puts us into place where we can now walk worthy. And what does that look like? And that's what we're dealing with right now. I told you these first three chapters of Ephesians deals with doctrine. But then the next three chapters deals with, uh, as an old friend of mine has said, how to flesh it out. So how is it seen? And it's, it's amazing because m- many know these last three chapters. You know, kids are supposed to honor their parents and how we're supposed to treat our employees and how employees are supposed to treat their masters. And, you know, we can go through the, the whole thing, you know, the full armor of God and, 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 you know, we just got it all figured out. But when I look at this 
book and I look at chapter 4, a manner worthy of the calling which you have been called in all humility and gentleness with patience and showing tolerance and love for one another. Be diligent to preserve the unity in the Spirit. All right? I'm not sure a whole bunch of Christians are diligent about that. It's, uh, you know, let me argue about, you know, what color the carpet is. You know, the, the chairs. I don't like the pattern in the chairs. I don't, uh, you know, I've heard it all, you know, and I get people, God bless you. If s- somebody changes something, <laughs> just remember it's temporal. And, and I, <laughs> that's just the way I look at it. And yet, how are we preserving the unity in the church? And um, so I look at these things and I think, okay, how am I going to pull this off? Well, first, I've been blessed with every spiritual blessing in the heavenlies. I've been chosen before the foundations of the earth to walk in them, the good works of Jesus Christ. I mean, I got a few things that are on my side. And so when it says wives are to submit to their husbands, you know, women say, well, you don't know him. I was like, I do know Jesus. And he's bigger than your husband. All right. But see, we miss it a lot because verse 21 says, be subject to one another in the fear of Christ. So we all are submitted to one another. Theoretically. And this is what we're doing. We're looking at it. What does it look like? I always drop back down to the verse 32. This mystery is great. But I am speaking in reference to Christ and the church. So when you think about marriage, you see the new lovebirds, the newlyweds and all this, and they got the goo-goo eyes and all painted up and they look woo Is that how Christ looks? Because, you know, I've, my kids uh, have married, well, two of three, and you know, they, Dad, so what do you think? I said, go look at the mother. They go, what? I said, go look at the mother. The character and the nature of your bride is in the mother. Also, you may want to look at the physical thing. Because regardless of who you are, age and gravity have an effect. And I don't care how diligent you are at trying to fight it. You will not win. But this is the relationship that Christ has with His church. That's why the church is called the Bride of Christ. And He lays it out what it's supposed to be like. What is required? And we've been looking. What is required of a husband and a wife? Well, we are to look like Christ and His church. And, you know, I can be in my cynical mindset that says... Yep, that's what the church looks like most of our marriages. And everybody goes, well, that's I'm just telling you. You know, you are to submit to your husband as you would to the Lord. And I was like, she does exactly that. Because that's about the same way she would submit to the Lord. And, and you look at some of this stuff and you think, well, how is this possible? That's the first three chapters. It's the first three chapters. 
There's two prayers in those three chapters. Paul's first prayer is in chapter 1, verse 17, where he says, I pray God opens the eyes of your hearts that you get a hold of this. And you know, and I thought about it. I thought, you know, I look at those first 16 verses in chapter 1, that'll make your brain hurt. But Paul prayed that their eyes would open. But then at the end of chapter 3, he prays that we would be unified, that we would be indwelt and strengthened in the inner man by the Spirit of the living God. And that we would know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge. Did you get that? Know that that can't be known. All right? And that we would have the fullness of God in us so that we would do exceedingly abundantly beyond what we can think or imagine. I have seen that many, many, many times in this church. Uh, when we move from downtown to up here, I look at downtown now and say, oh, I'm glad I'm not in that place again. Okay? But now we're looking at husband and wives. We've seen what the ladies' priorities are and what the men's priorities are is what we're looking for. So this love, the manner of this love... The priorities of the husband is love your wife as Christ loved the church. Verse 25, and he did what? Gave himself. The love of your wife is sacrificial. Sacrificial. Even if it costs you your life. It's sacrificial. But in that sacrifice of love, of giving oneself we say, okay, our wives are supposed to submit to their own husband. Yep, amen. Right, guys? All right, but we are submitted to one another, so part of my submission as a husband is that I submit in loving her sacrificially as Christ loved the church and gave himself for it. That's part of my submission. But in that submission and that sacrifice, I also looked in 26 and 27 that this love purifies. Men, we are to make our wives holy. We are to do nothing to defile them. We are not to take them anywhere that they can be defiled. We are not to present anything to them that would defile them. And you know, we were discussing this in Sunday school. There is the gift of teaching. It's supernatural. It's not of man's ability. And we have to understand that. It is the working of the Holy Spirit. So men, it doesn't mean, well, I need to wash her with the Word, so sit down here, honey, and we'll have a cup of coffee and I'll beat you with the Word and then I'll go off to work. That ain't what it is, guys. What it means is that I have a walk that looks like Jesus. I make my decisions based on what the Word of God says. I make my movements on the way Christ would make my movements. So that she would see Christ in you. 
When you do that, it purifies her. When you married her, that is salvation because you take her out of the world and you guard her. You protect her. That is our responsibilities. That's why, uh, young ladies, you need to stay where you're protected. And I'm not talking about some guy with a big gun. I'm talking about somebody who's walking with the Lord Jesus Christ in the power of the Spirit that would protect you from the deceiver. Do you understand that? It's, it's one of the things that kind of is baffling to me. He's the father of lies. Okay? That means he's not a politician. Okay? Here's the reason. He's good. If a politician speaks, okay, I got that figured out. But Satan is good. He deceives. He makes you think what you're doing is right. And you go, amen and amen and amen. Women, I love you. Peter tells me that you're the weaker vessel. Genesis tells me that you bought the deception of Satan in the garden. All right, you know what that means? You're easily deceived. And I could get into all the psycho babble about it and all the rest of it, but I need to get out of here alive. Okay? But it's just a manner that... Women are easily deceived. You don't believe me? <laughs> Guys, anybody remember old enough? I'm old enough to remember the Sears catalog. Uh-huh. What was 90% of the advertising in that book? It's women. Why? Now we do it with, uh, what is it, uh, Amazon and all these other things. People get on, oh, look at that. You know, and God bless you. The only time I ever look at something online is when I need a part. I need this battery. Let me go find that battery. I need this shock absorber. I need to get that shock absorber. I don't go shopping. Oh, look, that's nice. Oh, look, that's pretty too. Oh, wheels. Oh, look. I don't do that. And if you talk, if you're really honest, very few men do. I mean, I, there's a whole bunch of things that interest me, but I don't get on a website or a catalog somewhere and say, Oh, whoa, look at all this. Because the world lays in the lap of Satan and he is the father of lies. And if you're really honest with yourself, there's a lot of it out there. There's a lot of it out there. And if you look at what advertising is, what is it? I mean, you see a beer commercial and you see all these beautiful women. I don't ever remember seeing that before I got saved. Okay? That is the world that we live in. Women do not... They need to understand that their husbands are their protector and their provider. That's what men are here for. Thirdly, 
Our love, sacrificial love, a purifying love, and a caring love. 28 to 30. Verse 28. So husbands ought also to love their own wives as their own bodies. Love. Think about it, man. Here's, here's one of the things I'll let you ponder for a second. Can you look at your wife as your own body? Listen, this is what it's saying here. All right, when I look at this, it says, as your own body. Listen, we spend a lot of time with our bodies. Okay? We get clothes, right? We, you know, if you're married, then you get all these uh, things that you can and cannot eat. I don't know what that's all about, but that's how it works. Because they want to keep me alive longer. So don't eat this, eat that. And then in 10 years, it'll be, oh, we were wrong, eat this and don't eat that. All right? Even men spend a lot of time on their bodies. Some exercise. Some are commanded to exercise. No. We have diets that uh, we need to eat the right things. All right? We have health as a goal. We buy clothes, you know, depending on what it is you like to do. If you're in a an office situation, you may want a suit or need suits. If you work in a garage, you may need Carhartts or blue jeans or something to that effect. I even saw a thing that just absolutely disgusted me. Excuse me, that's purely opinion. On makeup guidelines for men. how to add to your cheek colors and eye colors and things like that. And I thought, yeah, okay. If I did that, I'd look like Bozo the Clown. (laughs) We have stuff for our bald heads. We have cosmetic surgery. That is the greatest market growing in cosmetic surgery right now is men. Now listen, I agree that we should take care of our bodies, men. It is the temple of the Holy Spirit. We should take care of it. I remember my uh, nutritionist told me, you need to change your way you eat, and you need to eat five times a day. I said, why didn't I come to you earlier? And she says, and you need to kind of lean toward the Atkins looking stuff, a lot of proteins. And I was like, is that like steak, bacon, and stuff like that? She said, yeah. And she says, and five times a day. And I'm saying, I just went to heaven. <laughs> I got to eat steak and pork five times a day. Well, you're not allowed to have more than five ounces. Do you know how much five ounces of steak is? My thumb. No wonder you want me to eat five times a day. We do need to take care of it. When we get sick, we get real, real, real sick, then men will go to the doctor. Okay? But we are to love our wives like that. Note, this is not emotional. Too many people 
are convinced that love is this icky sentimentalism. It is a verb. It works. Go look at 1 Corinthians 13. The, our bodies, men, have needs. And when that needs tells us, we meet that need. Okay, now think about what I just said. That means when your wife has a need, you, you meet that need. We get in shape, we feel fabulous. Well, I heard that that's what happens. I think that's a lie. But yet, when you're trying to keep yourself in shape, it's not an emotional. It's meeting a need. True in marriage, well, I meet the need of my wife, and it will change our emotional response. It's a very simple principle, actually, if you think about it. You take care of her needs, the emotional response you'll receive. You'll see it. Verse 29, No one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes it and cherishes it just as Christ does his church. So I have to ask you a question. All right? Does the Lord care for the church? Okay. Does He take care of everything we need as a church? The Bible says, My God shall supply all of your needs. He doesn't say most of them. He says, I will supply them all. Okay. And then we immediately say, well, I'm a little picky. No, it's not the way it works. All of our needs according to the riches by his, by Christ Jesus. Chapter one of Ephesians. How many needs of the church does God supply? Are you sure? He has to date. So, I'm pretty sure he cares for the church. This is, drives me batty as a pastor that people say, well, as long as I have my Bible with me, wherever I am, that is church. No, it's not. It's the fellowship of the saints. That's where church is. Do not forsake the assembly together, which is the habit of some. That is where you get taught. That's where you teach. That's where you walk with. That's where you edify. That's where you exhort. That's where you share your lives with. Listen. If you need love, if you need peace, if you need strength, if you need wisdom, if you need anything, where do you get it? If I'm going to love my wife as Christ loves the church, the only way I'm going to do that is if He does it through me. And yet, when I see a surrendered life, I see a person who will never do without. He will give all to fulfill His will. All right, That's what God is saying to us in this text right here. Give your wife everything, listen closely, she needs. Understand needs and wants. He will provide needs. 
not necessarily wants. That is the way you work with your helper. You help strengthen her, husbands, to show her the difference between a want and a need. But you must supply her needs. Man is the provider. He provides the needs. He doesn't love you less if he doesn't fulfill your wants. He protects, he preserves, and he is the resource. We are to care for our wives like a man cares for his own body. Like Christ cares for his church. You want your marriage to be blessed? Guess not, okay. (laughs) If you want your marriage to be blessed, then you must care for your wife as you would care for yourself. And you will have a blessed marriage. She is not your cook. She is not your maid, your laundry man, or whatever, woman. She is God-given treasure to be cared for and to be cherished and to be nourished. Okay, now I want to show you a couple of words here that are kind of cool. The word there, nourished, but nourishes and cherishes it, speaking of your body. Okay, it's extrupo, and it literally means to feed. But in its setting, it has to do with to bring up to mature. When you feed your little baby and it gets bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger and huge, you're getting it bigger. And as it grows in size, you mature it. Men are called to mature that woman. (laughs) okay to bring her to maturity to feed her needs and that makes us the bread for the woman you know uh, you talk about the deception of the world and advertising and all the rest of it and women are like I'm not like that I'm not like that that means it's your husband Straightened you out. I matured you enough to say, you don't need that. See? And there's things that all through the life in the relationship between a man and a woman, there are all kinds of things that the husband does to mature that woman. And it's spiritual. It is absolutely spiritual. Men, have you ever had any luck getting your wife to submit? Just look her in the eye and say, submit. And her response is always the same. Duck. This is what the Bible is telling us. Let me ask you some questions. 
This is really practical if you're honest with yourself. What did you provide for your salvation? Okay. What do you provide for your Christian life? Nothing. As Christ provides for His church, so the husband provides for his wife. And that's what the Holy Word of God is telling us. We nourish her. We cause her to mature. We are her preserver. We are her savior. We are her protector. We are all of those things. And we do it in love for her. See, the women... And this is going, I'm going to get down here and say this. Are to be in the house. You know why I say that? Word cherish right there. It's uh, used to speak of a mother bird. You see it used in Deuteronomy 22. And it means to soften with body heat, to warm with body heat. Have you ever heard the, the psychologists say that a, a women nest? There's some biblical truth to that. I mean, I have lived by myself for a number of different times, and um, I don't hang pictures up. <laughs> I punch a hole in a wall to hang a picture up, then I'll get charged on my deposit. See? Smart. But you would look, and then I did dishes once a week whether they needed them or not. All right? But if you watch a woman in the house, all of a sudden you got throw rugs. You got pictures and you got the things that I call, and all the love I can muster, knickknacks. Okay, and you got why is there a shelf on the wall and all of this other stuff? Because that is the way God made them. We are to provide for them a secure and soft place. That is part of providing for the woman and her needs. Men. We provide and we guard against the harsh, deceptive, cruel word, world. And we make a place of security. So they are safe there. This is definitely the opposite of the working wife. The wife is the one who's supposed to be receiving. We looked at this in Genesis 3. Remember this? Women were cursed. Right? Remember? First one was what? Pain in childbirth. Is that a lie? Anybody don't believe that? Okay. Second, it's hard for a wife to submit to her husband because she's been cursed. Anybody want to argue with that one? That's good. <laughs> I know many of you too well. Both are where? In the home. 
Pain of childbirth is in the home. Hard to submit to the husband is where? In the home. The man is supposed to provide the home, a place of safety, a place of refuge. And men were cursed. Don't want to leave us out. We work the ground. We work, we sweat to provide for our family. Anybody here fix something and I have to redo it again a little bit later? All the time. I mean, there's nothing like having to do something that's absolutely painful, awkward, and whatever, and know that you're going to have to do it again in a year. Why can't I fix something and stay that way forever? You see what I mean? And I mean, even today we fight against it. Genesis, God designed woman that, to be at home with the children. Now they get you in trouble. And man is to be out working to provide those needs. Okay? Women were always in the home with the children up until World War II. And then the men were all shipped off. The women had to take up factory jobs. And when they came back, they realized that we can put two incomes together and we can get inflation. I can buy a bigger house, smaller this, that, or other, whatever. And that's what we chase. This analogy fits Ephesians. This is God's design in Ephesians 5. As Christ provides for His church, the husband provides for his wife. As the bird nourishes, provides, and warms, that's what husbands do. That is the security. 29 and 30, No one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it, just as Christ does a church, because we are members of His body. We are members of His body. We are flesh of His flesh, bone of His bone. You can't say that. Yeah, you can. Right there, verse 31. This reason a man shall leave his father and mother. And what is it after that? You are bone of my bone, flesh of my flesh. If it's quoted here in reference to Jesus and His church, then it's the same. Why does Christ care for us like this? Why does He meet every need we have? And why is He so miraculously, wonderfully caring? Why? It's right there. Members of His body. We are members of His body. Why does He go through what He has gone through and continues to go through to provide everything for us? the sympathetic, loving, faithful high priest. Why? Verse 30. We are members of His body. We are part of His body. That's the church. Listen, not to provide for us. Think of this. Not to provide for us would be not to provide for Himself. But you got to remember, this is one of the things 
I love Paul. I hang out with Paul probably more than anybody. God, he's a trip. He had a phrase that just must have absolutely blew his mind. And you see it translated in him, in Christ, and all, and it's all over the place. And chapter one, verse seven, verse 13, chapter two, verse 10, verse 13, chapter three, verse 11. I'm in Christ. 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 Why? You can't separate a Christian from the person of Christ. What in creation can separate you from the love of God? Nothing. So when God looks at you, Christian, he sees Christ. That's why Paul was like, I'm in him. I'm in Christ. We are one with him, that we are joined to the Lord in the spirit. First Corinthians 6, 17. We are one with him. I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live yet, not I, but Christ lives in me. Philippians. By one spirit, we are all baptized into one body. See, and it, that's missing today. Absolutely missing today. I remember uh, I was at a, one of my first trips to Russia. I was in a place called Oriel, south of Moscow. It's near Kursk and uh, Volgodad. And these people, man, I mean, they had snow. It was stacked up. It looked like trench warfare. They had piles of snow. And I was there like second week of March. Something like that. And I mean, anywhere you walked on the sidewalk, you were walking through these trenches. And I'm, and cold and wet. A wet, cold, ugh. It's tough. I, as I, you know, it's, no wonder none of you people smile. But anyway, it's a whole different argument. But, you know, I remember one Sunday morning, they had asked me to come in and teach a women's Bible study. And then they wanted me to preach in church service. I said, all right. So I get up and it's, this is way north. So the sun comes up about nine o'clock and sets about three o'clock. Okay. And it's cold and it's wet. And so I'm get my junk on, grab my Bible and I take off and I come out of this little apartment thing and I walk around. There's places vacant. I go around and I go into the church and it's packed. And I'm sitting there going, how did they all get here? So I was talking to my interpreter. He says, we walk. You walk to church. And it was about zero. And it was wet. A humid zero. Just really comfortable. And I thought, all of these people walked to church. And then... I noticed after I got done preaching in the church service and we had fellowship together and we all talked and all the rest of it, nobody left. They stayed at the church all day waiting for the evening service. I mean, they did stuff like choir practice and some lady was giving music lessons and, and a few other odds and ends were going on like that, but they never left. And I said, I, I don't get this. And she says, well, it's the body of Christ. 
See, they never call the building the church. That is a house of prayer. We are the church. They have got in him down to an art. Americans should learn. That's because they asked me. I said, yeah, I'm teaching. I'm investing in you guys so you can bring us the gospel in 10 years. But it, it was like going back to the apostolic age where the saints were there and that was where their security was. Why? Because we are in Christ. We are in Christ. We are one with Christ because we are one with Him. He will meet our needs. Okay? It... uh, you know, I, I thought about it because you would have people approach you, me being an American, and they would have things that they wanted financial help with. And I knew that you didn't say, well, I'll pray about it. Because if they shared the need with me, it was their need. Then if I was praying about it, then that means that my will would line up with their will. And that was just me saying, okay, I'll get it for you. And... uh I learned, don't do that. I said, we will see what we can see. But you hear the term fellowship of the saints. Okay. Then people got it. I know the stuff that I'm getting out of Afghanistan. Then people got it. I mean, they're, they got no option. And I mean, when, They sing when they preach the word. You see what they do. They are impassioned about the body of Jesus Christ. So with that in mind, husbands, your wife is one with you. Not to meet her needs is spiritual suicide because you are one. See why marriage is more than just sex? If I have sex with that woman, then we are one. Nah, that's clueless. We are one because we are one with Christ. We are one with our wives because that's a gift from God to me to be cherished and nourished. That's one. And you love it the way you love yourself. That's one. And to violate marriage is to destroy yourself. Ask people who've been divorced. What will they tell you? I don't care how shag nasty that old man was or that old woman was. What will they tell you? Part of me's missing. Part of me is missing. That's why when we get married, we are one. It's a spiritual way more than it's a physical. And that's why, do you see why Paul doesn't, he chastens those who would marry an unbeliever? Why? You're one with Christ. That person is one with the devil. That ought to be pleasant. 
If you don't believe me, believer, tell your unbelieving spouse, you're one with the devil. I guarantee you, it'll be exciting. Why? Because there's a oneness that is there beyond the physical. We like to say, well, you know, if we have sex, then, you know, we've consummated your marriage. No, you didn't. Consummating your marriage is that I swear before God that I take this woman to be my wife. That is consummating your marriage. The grace of God is amazing. And He set that thing up so that husband and wives are a picture of Christ and His church. And then God places us into His body. Men, when you took that covenant of marriage, you have placed her into your body. God says, as Christ cares for His body, the church... As man cares for his physical body, so is the husband to care for his wife. That's the standard. Now, you've got to go back the first three chapters because guys are going to walk out of here going, <laughs> understand why John Calvin called it worm theology. Oh, you didn't do that. That's right. That's why you were saved. Meeting the needs, providing all the things that are necessary. See, God has a very high view of women. And they are to be exalted, they are to be honored, and they are to be lifted up. And that is the man's responsibility. Men are to submit to meeting the needs of their wife. We are to submit... to a sacrificial love, even if it means dying. We are to submit to causing them to be pure. We are to submit to honor and make them holy and sanctified. And we are to submit to an unbreakable love we'll look at next week. These are the manner of this love. Sacrificial, it's purifying, and it's caring. And that is what the Word of God says. Because we are members of this body. And remember, and I'll deal with this, this mystery is great. Amen? But I am speaking with reference of Christ and His church. You and I do not make unity in the body of Christ. Did you know that? We preserve it. Let's pray. Father, we come to You. The glory of your holy word. Father, uh, I pray that you've given us ears to hear, hearts that are overwhelmed with the privilege of being children of the Most High God. But Lord, I pray most of all that the men and women, kids that are here, that Father, you would impress on them the amazement of being in Christ, in Him. Father, May we grow in that. May we understand it more. And may our feet be with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Father, help us to walk worthy. Help us to walk in humility. Father, uh, 
Help each of us to walk in the power of the Holy Spirit. Love you, Lord. In Christ's name, amen.